Well, if this is your first time in, let me introduce myself. I'll uh, give you the religious title first. I'm Reverend Robert Clift. Now I'll give you the biblical title because Reverend's not in the Bible. Pastor Robert Clift. I want to introduce you this morning, the man who's going to be doing the baptism. This is his religious title, Reverend Dan Taylor. But his biblical title is Pastor Dan Taylor. Now, which one do you choose? We live according to the word of God. So we're pastors caring for the flock. Amen? That's who we are. We're not religious. We're not religious, but we're just in love with Jesus. We have found him to be what we can't find in the world. The world offers you all sorts of things. If you use the right deodorant, you get the right kind of girl. Well, I've tried them all, and I never did. Yes, I did. Sorry, my wife's over there. I suddenly realized, I suddenly realized my wife's over there. It, was, it, it wasn't my deodorant that attracted her to me, though it's my good looks. <laughs> Amen. Let me tell you something. You're in the kind of church this morning. I came out of a religious background. I wanted to find what was authentic Christianity. And that's what we have here, according to this book, is authentic Christianity. Christianity that brings reality into my life and my present-day circumstances, and yours, and yours. Amen? That's the kind of church we are. That's why we have a food bank, because people are hungry. Jesus said, feed them. And that's why we have a food bank. Not because it's a good idea. Amen. We try to reach the community in everything we do. Amen. We're going to be blessed this morning. Great rest. We're in a baptismal service. Okay, I have a little bit more to say about that in a minute. And uh, we've got a lovely young lady who at this moment, is going to come and speak with us because she's going to be baptized this morning. Amen. Give her a welcome. Thank you, Rob. Sorry? Right, first things first. Where are them tissues? Because I'm going to need them this morning. Welcome in the Holy Spirit this morning, so I'm going to need these. I have to start by saying thank you to Dan and Rosie for getting up so early this morning to have everything ready for us. Thank you. Um, so I realize there's still a lot of people that haven't met me. I just showed up three months ago out of nowhere. So yeah, I'm Alison and I'm going to tell you how I came to be here. But my testimony starts right from when I was little. Because even from as long as I can remember when I was at school, I never felt how other people looked. There was sort of a lot of dark emotion inside me, a lot of anger, a lot of fear. I didn't know why. I didn't know where it came from. You know, I was a chronic approval seeker. I needed other people to tell me I was okay all the time. And I was very jealous of other people. They made life look easy, and I never felt like that. You know, when I was 14, you know, adolescence makes it worse, right? I tried to take my own life when I was 14 because I just couldn't face how I felt anymore. But not long after that, I found a solution. 
to how I felt, and I found something that made me feel okay, that made me feel how other people looked, and that solution was alcohol. And I didn't know then that I was setting off a chain of events that would, you know, lead me back to that dark place again a lot of years later. No, it's not the answer, Terry. But I didn't know that, and I didn't stop to think about the future at that time. I was just glad that I didn't feel that way anymore, you know? So, my new best friend didn't take long to become my worst enemy. And um, the problems that I was using alcohol to solve soon become smaller than the problem of alcohol. But the thing is, once I realized that and I wanted to stop, it was too late. I'd some, at some point, I'd crossed a line. And I spent five years trying everything I could think of to stop drinking, and I couldn't. I've become powerless over alcohol. Alcohol was my master. And I didn't know what to do, and I soon found myself isolated, alcohol took all my friends, I struggled with life, and I just honestly felt like I didn't want to get up and do another day. I'd got back to that place again. Now, somebody, I didn't even seek out the answer to my alcohol problem, it got sent to me, a message was brought to me. I wonder who sent that message. But someone literally showed up at my work and spoke to me about Alcoholics Anonymous. And what did I say? I'm not an alcoholic. I still have a job. I've still got a car. I don't drink every day. Alcoholics suffer with a lot of denial. Yeah. So I spent another yeah. good sort of three or four months in that place of suffering. And one morning I woke up and I just thought, enough. Enough. It was my pride that was keeping me out of the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I went and I thought, well, I've got nothing else. I'm going to go. With the last bit of strength I had, I went. And in that room, I found the answer. And I realized I am an alcoholic. And they said to me, do you know what they said to me? They said, go home, get on your knees, and you pray like your life depends on it, because it does. Because addiction takes lives. It takes lives, young lives. It doesn't discriminate. And it would have taken me. So I went home and I prayed. And I had no opinion or feelings, no relationship with God at all at that time. I was a blank canvas. But I did it. And I haven't had a drink since that first prayer. He met me where I was that day. He was waiting for me. He was waiting for me and he took me that day. But that's only my first miracle because if he continues to bless me with his grace, on the 29th of September, I'll be two years sober. Okay? So what took me so long, right? Why wasn't I here two years ago? Well... The program of Alcoholics Anonymous has a faith in God, but it's not a religious program. It started off a religious program, and the founders wanted to make it more inclusive for everybody. So we have a faith in God, but it's not a faith in the Bible. We don't talk about Jesus. People find their own higher power, their own path. And I had a, I had a good relationship with God, but I didn't want to come here. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to tell you the truth. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to be a Christian. I didn't want the Bible. Because why? I thought, I grew up in that world. That's what I knew. You know, and I thought I was going to have to give up loads of stuff. You know, and I, I was scared. I was afraid. I wanted my relationship with God. I had that. And um, he was calling me in. I thought it was in my mind, you know, go to church, go to church. And I was going, no, no, no. I realized now it was my mind fighting with my spirit. My spirit was calling me. He was ready for me. He wasn't finished with me. That wasn't enough, you know. But I fought it, and I didn't want to come. And I went to a different church, actually, about six months ago, and I didn't like it. It wasn't like this church. I didn't like it. So that put me off for a little while. So what I decided to do, 
I, t- I come up with my own idea of what I was going to do. So I bought a Bible, and I was listening to sermons at home, and I thought, I'm just going to do it on my own. That way, if I don't like it or I get it wrong, because I'm a bit like that, don't like getting things wrong, no one will know, will they? But God wasn't finished with me. But I did, I got to know Jesus a little bit at home, and I'd put it in the diary, right, Sunday I'm going to go. Did a bit of research into different churches, looked at all your mugs on the internet, yeah, read up about you guys. I was like, oh, actually, they don't look too bad, do they? They don't look too bad. And I thought, you know, this place looks really fun and modern and lively and welcoming, and you've not let me down, none of you. You've been amazing. And I put it in the diary, I'm going to go on Sunday. And I didn't. I put it in for another day, and I didn't. I did this for ages. Because I was fighting this. I was fight, my flesh was fighting my spirit, and I didn't know what was going on. And then one day, I came. And that was on the 19th of June this year. Three months ago, I finally walked through those doors. And um, I had a beautiful welcome. So I have to thank you all for the welcome I had, especially Helen and John. I have to thank you individually because you've looked after me. Now, Helen was the first person I saw when I walked through that door. And I was drawn straight to you. And you just stood. It was like you were waiting for me. It was like Jesus had you waiting for me. And I know that's true because every time I come in since, I can't get near you because everyone wants to talk to you. So I know that that day, Jesus had you stood there to welcome me and to make sure I was okay. And you have been amazing, both of you. I thank you so much. And Dan, you were, you were preaching that day. Do you remember what it was? I remember what it was. The title was, You Can Handle This. Do you remember? That was very appropriate for me. And you and Terry had an animated conversation about not looking back, didn't you? Do you remember? We don't live life looking through the rearview mirror. See, someone was listening, Dan. I heard what I needed to hear that day. It was like everything kind of fell into place. It clicked. And we did the prayer that day, me and Dan, and I was saved that day. That first time I came here. So, this is my second miracle, because I've got two miracles. Now, I didn't know what happened at that moment when I did that prayer. I had to go back out into my life, back out into normal situations to realize how I changed. See, the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, I had a lot of recovery. I was doing really well. I was enjoying life, but I still struggled with a lot of guilt and shame for the life that I'd led. I couldn't forgive myself for being an alcoholic. You know, all those amends that I had to make from the way I'd lived my life. And I still felt very lonely, quite empty. And what I found as I went out into the world is all those things had lost their power. If Jesus forgives me, who am I to not forgive myself? Who am I to say? And I I do forgive myself today. And today, finally, I feel how other people look. I don't suffer from emotional pain. I'll have bad days like everybody else, but I I don't feel like that anymore. You know, I'm healthy today. But now this has left me in quite a position, hasn't it? Because I've got a lot of wisdom from those years, those dark years. Do you know, I read something the other day. When a butterfly is in its chrysalis, I think that's how you say it, if you help it to get out of that chrysalis, it won't be able to fly because it needs the battle of getting out of that to have the strength to fly. So now today, I'm in a position where I can turn back and hold out my hand to the others and say, you're not on your own. I know the way out. And I've got to help them today, and that's my job now. And I say, Jesus, use me. Use me to help them. 
Thank you. I can't, I can't be stood up here. <laughs> I can't have the opportunity to stand here this morning without saying a huge thank you to Rob and Wendy and Dan and Joe and Helen John and Lorraine and Godfrey. Um, as far as somebody coming into church for the first time, you guys are at absolute, I can't say how great you are. You should have a really, you know, spiritually healthy amount of pride around that. Because <laughs> you guys have, are amazing. And the, the Wednesday night as well, to everyone at the Wednesday night, I get a lot of, I, I get a lot from those meetings. They are fantastic. And I thank you all so much. I really, truly do. Um, life begins now, you know. I feel like, I feel like life begins now. And I've asked Joe to play a song, which I absolutely love. Um, if you would, if we can all sing this together. It's just such a happy it's going to be my baptism song. So thank you all. I, can, I can't say thank you enough. Okay. thought I was going to need them, actually, <laughs> I was listening. Yeah. You see, what you heard this morning, and that was not prearranged, I didn't know what she was going to say. That's not religion. No. That's life. Why did Jesus come? To give us life, and life more abundantly. But it's a life you will never find in this world through riches, through career, through adulation of any shape or kind. It's not an earthly life. It's a spiritual life which then impacts the earthly life I lead. And it's real. No one here this morning can doubt what, what Alison has experienced. And I'll tell you why. Because this book declares exactly Amen. the way it should be. Amen. And the way it happened to Alison. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Do you want to go and get changed? you want to go and get changed? Yeah, come back with something else. <laughs> Hallelujah. I just want to give you a few little thoughts while Dan gets changed. <laughs> I'll tell you what, this is a church for fun. Because part of being a Christian is actually joy. If you can't come to church in banter, you've, you're not in the right place. I've been to churches where you just sit in the seat and that's it. You've got to exist for an hour. But then I met Jesus. Amen. 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 Yeah. 
set all that away. And he's given me authentic authentic Christianity. The real thing according to this. Amen? Okay. He came to give us life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You've got to know the way to find the truth to experience the life. And that can only be found in Jesus. There is no other way. Jesus says, no one comes to the Father but through me. So you can't experience that life without Jesus. And if you've never met Jesus, you've never given your life, acknowledge that you're a sinner. Now, I don't say that to put you down. I was a sinner. I'm no longer a sinner. Because Jesus has forgiven me my sins. There has to be a recollection, an honoring that says, I, I was a sinner. I need a saviour. I can't save myself because I can't reach God's standard. Only Jesus who came on my behalf can reach the standard that the Father sets. He came to bring life and life more abundantly. Now, when I ask some Christians... Or some people, I ask the question, are you a Christian? And there seems to be three prominent answers to that. Yes, no, and I'm not religious. Those are the three prominent answers that people tend to give when you say, are you a Christian? And the last one is very strong in a lot of people's minds. No, I'm not religious. Well, let me tell you something. I'm not religious. No, no, sir. Because religion binds you. If you're religious, you've got to keep a set of rules. And as Alison said, you're not allowed to do this, 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 and this. And I was brought up in a Christian home, and it was a bit religious. And I worked out at an early age, I want to do this, this, and this. But religion said, you can't do this, this, and this. So I rebelled. It didn't give me life. And I'm not going to say or talk about the direction I took. So, if the answer is yes to that question, you claim to be a Christian. What do you mean by that? What do you mean? By declaring that I'm a born-again Christian... I'm saved through Jesus Christ who I've given my life to. People say, well, I was christened at birth. I had some water sprinkled on me. I did, and I cried. I don't remember it. I was told. That did not make me a Christian. All that did was got me wet. Now, why why do some places do that? Well, it's based in history. It's based in the fact that they want you to be a member of their denomination. And they want to control you with a list of rules and don'ts. But it doesn't make you a Christian. 
you are claiming to be a Christian, you have to live your life according yes. to yes, Christ. Yes, Being a, the word Christian means Christ-like. So you have to take what Jesus says and apply it to your life and the Holy Spirit strengthens you and quickens you to be able to outwork that. That's the wonderful thing that I was never told in the early days. The Holy Spirit comes and empowers you to live that life. Yes, I can still do things wrong. Yes, I do sometimes do things which are wrong and not right according to this. But there's forgiveness in Jesus. So a true Christian means being Christ-like. If you are a Christian, then you will follow his teachings. You become a disciple and follow his teachings. Now, this will at times dramatically challenge the way in which you think. Because the way in which you think is the way in which you then act. But the Christian standards, according to this, are to set us free, not to hold us in and bring us into bondage. So, what do we do then? Well, I have a phrase, a key phrase in my life, and it's this. It's not my opinion that matters. It's what the Bible says that is truth. This is what matters. I have opinions on 101 different topics, and I could be wrong. I have an opinion that the only decent football team in this country is Man United. I believe I'm right. Now, the fruit of that says I'm wrong. But that's my opinion. You have an opinion. And let me tell you something. God even respects your opinion even when you're wrong. So if you're not living or responding to Jesus according to what Jesus says is required, you're wrong. Because he is the way that leads to the truth that leads to life. And he wants you to find the way, and it doesn't matter what you have done in your life before, there's forgiveness. He wants you to find that way through him by giving your life to him and letting him empower you to live this new life. He wants you to find the way. He wants you to find the truth because he is truth. There is no error in anything he says, no no fault in his life, and that will lead you to a new life. Amen? Amen? Amen. Right. So, it's the authority of the Bible which overrules my opinion. Now, I look around in this room, there's some people here, you know, I'll be be honest, some people here I think, "Mm, not too keen on you, Dave. 
Bible says I've got to love him. So what do I do? I work hard at loving him. (laughs) Now he's a great guy. It's not my opinion that matters. It can be your opinion which is keeping you from Jesus. It's called self-righteousness. In this church, we will always say it as it really is. Because it was me sitting in something similar to this years ago, even though I'd been brought up in a Christian home and a Christian faith. It took a guy standing at the front and being very blunt that brought me to a jolt that said, I do need Jesus. I need him to be my Lord and Savior. I want him to be my Lord and Savior. Not because I want to go to heaven, no. I want to experience some of this life that I was seeing in this minister that I didn't have. I want some of that life. Man. So that brings us to the day. This Bible is our instruction for life. Now, depends which half of the Bible you want to live out of. Too many Christians are living their life out of the Old Testament. Jesus said, I have come to give you life. I have met all the requirements of the Old Testament. So we, as Christians, don't find our life in the Old Testament. It's not done away with. Jesus said, I have met the requirements of the Old Testament. If you give your life to me, I will bring you into a new covenant a new way of living. So we take our instruction from the New Testament because he's fulfilled the old. And I am in Christ now. So what about baptizing? Well, here's a topic. Let me ask you, do you think it's a religious ceremony? Many people do. Many people, uh, are, we get approached occasionally here. I'll get a phone call and, and, and do you baptize young children? No. Oh, my next question is, why do you want your child baptized? Well, I, we, we want to get the family together and have a celebration. I said, well, you've got the wrong reason. No, we don't baptize children here. We dedicate children right. here. Bible says dedicate, not baptize young children. If you were sprinkled as a young child and you have never been baptized, now the word baptize in the Greek in the New Testament means to submerge. It doesn't mean to sprinkle. If you've never been truly baptized, put down in the water and brought back up again, we promise you that, Alison. You've not been baptized. And I, that makes no difference to me. I was sprinkled. And I don't care if the top guy in any other church sprinkled. I don't know, I don't know who did it. I think it was a Methodist minister. I don't know. Lovely guy, probably. But I wasn't baptized. I wasn't christened. I wasn't made a Christian. That's not what the Bible teaches. So, is it a religious ceremony? No. We're baptizing Alison today because the word tells us to. The Bible instructs us to. If you've never been baptized, it's not to make you feel condemned because we're not here to do that. You need to be. 
Because it's part of Jesus' plan for your life. Amen? I'll quickly give you four reasons. Four reasons. Being baptized is a symbol of God's grace for you. Okay? But before you can be baptized, something has to happen. Baptism is the second step. Alison mentioned it this morning. I probably didn't realize what she, quite what she was saying. The first step, Jesus says, is repent. And then he says, and be baptized. Step one is repentance. Not a word we like today. It's not politically correct. It doesn't sit well with us, but it's in the Bible. It means turning around. From my previous life, accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior and moving in a new direction. And then be baptized. Now, let me ask you something. Why, again, we don't chrism or baptize young children? If I've got a baby in my arms, which is what they do, and they, they go to the font and they take some apparent holy water, which is nothing more than dark water. It's water. You can't pray over water and make it holy. No way, but that's another topic. If I get a baby in my arms, that baby can't repent. That baby, according to the New Testament, is innocent. That baby can't repent and then be baptized. That baby has no idea of the circumstance it finds itself in. It's been taken to a new place and new and then some nice-looking guy like me has got them in their arms and that baby can't make a choice. It's too young. That young toddler can't make a choice. The Bible says until a child comes to the age of understanding. Now that's not a particular age. That's different for every child. When I got an understanding of what Jesus said and meant, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I repented and was then baptized. So... You may say to me, oh, that's just your opinion. No, it's not. It's what the Bible says. Moreover than just what the Bible says, it's actually what Jesus said. Now you have to finally know, is Jesus going to be the total authority in your life? Well, that'll take take my willpower away. No, it doesn't at all. No, it doesn't. You can still choose not to be. But you're wrong. You can still choose to reject Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you're wrong. He never takes away your free will, but he gives in return life. Life. So, it's by God's grace that we get born again, saved. It's by his grace. We cannot earn that. You cannot walk an old lady across the road 50,000 times in a day to earn his goodness. You just wear the old lady out. 
It's by grace. It's by grace. Second point of being baptized is by faith. I'm baptized by faith. Faith unites us to Christ. Baptism is the symbolism of that union. But it doesn't save you. It's like this. When you got married, you stood at an altar and, and a ring was placed on your finger. Now, I, this is a sore subject with my wife. All right, so put your hands in your ears, all right? I've had two wedding rings and lost them both. I've been married twice. I've only married once. But I've had two wedding rings and lost them both. Why didn't he put a chain around your neck and put them on? That's what some men do. It's too late, I lost them. <laughs> Losing my marriage ring didn't mean I wasn't married. No, definitely not. I'm still married. Good, good, lovely. We won't go down that road. <laughs> We won't go down that road. What made me married was my covenant vow yeah. to my wife. Yeah, that's right. that's amen. And keeping that covenant. Because in riches and poverty, I'm in poverty, she's in riches. <laughs> Sickness and in health. That covenant stands. And I remember saying to Wendy years and years ago, I will not break that covenant. No, amen. I'll fall out with you. Well, that's all right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you get over it, don't you? She's the boss. (laughs) Let's change the subject. Baptism number three declares the name of Jesus. This is what Jesus said, all right? This is Jesus. (laughs) Serious. Yeah, be serious. This is Jesus' final words to his disciples before he ascends to the Father. Now, final words are important. This is what he says. Go, therefore... And make disciples of all nations. It's universal. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I will be with you always to the end of the age. That's in Matthew 28, 19, 20. Three, four four things. Go, in my name, he said, make disciples. I can't make you a disciple. All I can do is reveal the truth of Jesus' word. His word will make you a disciple through the power of the Holy Spirit. Your choice this morning is to believe it or not. I'll still love you if you don't. Still like you if you don't, but your opinion is wrong. So go, 
make disciples, and baptize these disciples. And then teach them to follow God's word. Well, you say, that's okay. All right, you want to go and do that, Rob? You go and do that? Well, obviously you've done it. But it's not for me. But I'll follow Jesus. You've got a problem. You see? The problem is this. If that's your opinion, I'll just follow Jesus. And you can do that, but it's not the fullness. If that's your opinion, you've got another problem. Because Jesus was baptized himself. Now, why was he baptized? He wasn't baptized because he was a sinner. He knew no sin. There was no sin in him. He didn't have to repent and be baptized. That's not why he got baptized. John the Baptist said to him, how can I baptize you? You should be baptizing me. And Jesus said, no, I've come to fulfill the word of my father. So Jesus gets baptized in obedience to the will of the Father in heaven. He's telling us this morning, be baptized. First of all, repent, come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And be baptized in obedience to my word. That's why Jesus... In fact, he was even obedient to the cross. That's why he came. That we, when he died on the cross, he took my sin and in exchange gave me his life. Thank you, you, Jesus. That's why in a church like this, when you come in, there's a lot of happy people. Smile. (laughs) That's why I want to be part of a church that knows and preaches and teaches only what the book says. Because that's my authority. And he's given me that authority. I want to be baptized, I wanted to be baptized because Jesus also was baptized in obedience to the Father. I did it in obedience to to his word, and he is the word. Amen? Amen. I may have challenged you this morning. I hope I haven't been rude to you. I wouldn't want to do that. I just want you to experience what probably most of the people in this room have already experienced, and that's the life of Christianity, not religion. Amen. Amen.